You're listening to the DNB Supply Show podcast, your number one resource for living the country lifestyle. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, coming to you from my place in the country to yours. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to the DNB Supply Show podcast. This is your host, Matt Breckwald, and thank you so much for being here. Well, we've got an episode coming out today that's all about pruning your fruit trees. And now, of course, this being the podcast, you could be hearing this at any time, but there's really great information on here for you for the next time you need to go out and prune your fruit trees and really how to time it, how to know when to do it so you don't cause any damage to your trees and you don't impact the fruit production and things like that. And we've got a lot of tips and tricks on today as we interview a gentleman named Dan Roundsavell, who is the owner of Little Tree Tree Service in Boise, Idaho. And he's going to talk to us all about things that I had never thought of, like uh, cleaning your shears between prunings. Uh, when you go from one tree to the next, cleaning your shears off so you don't pass any disease from one tree to the next. And of course, we're going to talk a little bit outside the scope of fruit trees as well, just because if you get out the shears and you're out there and you're pruning your fruit trees, they're probably going to want to run over to your shade trees and prune them back a little right at the same time. So there's a little bit in there on that as well, some bonus content for you about shade trees and, and working with those and really hopefully some great tips and ideas for you to help you produce as much fruit as you want and have that beautiful shaped tree, those fruit trees out in your orchard or in your yard, wherever you keep them, and uh, have that satisfaction of the Western lifestyle when it comes to producing our own fruit. So everybody, hope you enjoy this show, and thank you so much for being here. Dan, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for coming on today. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to speaking with you all about pruning fruit trees. And I want to thank you for the, uh, well, for coming into the studio and doing the interview with me out here in CUNA, but also for the personal lesson in pruning on my own fruit trees. Oh, you're more than welcome. Yeah, that was really educational. And uh, I needed that, obviously, as you could see from my fruit trees. They'd never been touched. So that was really good. Well, and uh, there's lots of times that... Uh not just me, but all these uh, tree guys that are in business in the valley uh, will give suggestions and, and show people how to do things. Uh, obviously, most people aren't going to be able to climb a tree and prune the top of a big maple or something like that. But when it comes to oh, your small trees and stuff like that, everybody gives tips. Yeah. You know, helps people out like that. Yeah, that's great. That's a great part of your business. And uh, speaking of that, I'd like to just ask you if you could just kind of introduce yourself to our audience just a little bit. Tell us a little bit about yourself and, and your business, who you are, all of that. Okay. My name's Dan Rounceville. I had Little Tree Tree Service, my own business since 2005. Previous to that, I guess you go back to the beginning. My father was an arborist for the city of Los Angeles, and we moved up to Idaho when I was only three. But when I was a teenager, dad and I worked together uh, doing tree work, so I got my basic education there. So over the whole course of my life, I've been doing some tree work and pruning things for people usually not for pay i didn't do it as a job just you know doing favors for friends and stuff like that mm -hmm. so i've been mixed up with it all my life but uh in 2005 2004 the company that i'd worked for for years and years and years uh folded and so i'm going okay now what and i got my arbor certification which you do have to go to school for. Got my arbor certification and started my own business in 2005 and been going ever since. Yeah, it seems like that's the way a lot of businesses get started. Uh, something happens with your primary job and all of a sudden you're left going, well, what am I going to do? But uh, 
you found a great business and obviously uh, you already knew a lot about it. It was in the family DNA, it sounds like, and uh, became a certified arborist. And uh, now you've had Little Tree for, well, good goodness, is it 12 years? Yeah, 12 years now. Wow. Very good. Okay. Well, I, I guess let's start out like this. Why do we prune our fruit trees at all? What is the point? I mean, aren't we just creating less space for fruit to grow? Well, fruit trees... You have to understand that fruit grows on your horizontal branches. It doesn't grow on your verticals. And also, you want to prune them so you don't have to get on top of a 20-foot ladder to pick your fruit. You want to keep <laughs> them you want to keep them low, obviously. Uh-huh. But the problem with keeping them low like that is any time you prune, it makes them want to sucker and put out more vertical branches. And so that's why fruit trees need to be pruned every year. Uh, in order to keep them down low and productive with the horizontal limbs, then you have to prune them that way. But when you do the pruning, it makes them sucker and shoot up little branches that you don't want. So it's they're high maintenance. If you want fruit trees, you have to put some work into them. So you mentioned the term sucker, and that's a question I actually had written down to ask you about later. So that's going to be those vertical branches that'll that'll pop up the next season that you'll see yes. the next season. Usually on uh, and a lot of your regular shade trees will do that too maples do that a lot anytime you cut anything it stimulates growth okay so when you do damage on a limb cut a limb off then it's going to try to make limbs to replace that the biggest problem with letting suckers grow and that's why nobody tops trees anymore is because the original limb originates in the center of of the branch that it grows out of. If you let it sucker and uh, grow, that is only attached to the outside. It's not going down to the center. Mm-hmm. And so it's a very, very uh, shaky attachment. Okay. Okay. And if you top a tree, then you'll have uh, three or four maybe of those suckers coming off where you made the big cut. And eventually, yeah, it will grow up and be a nice shade tree again. But all those limbs that start out as suckers are going to be very poorly attached. And so as time goes by, they'll get bigger and bigger and more heavy and more heavy. And after a certain amount of time, they start popping off there in windstorms and stuff. So when you say top a tree, uh, are you talking about people used to go and just trim those suckers that were going straight up? Nope. What would they do? They would, if you had a 60-foot tree, they would just cut the big main limbs okay drastically uh way down and like i say that uh that just stimulates uh, uh the wrong kind of growth okay got it now uh we talked about the term sucker and i had this one for later as well but i'll ask about it now i also have read the term water sprout or exactly rain sprout. the same thing it's the exact same yep. thing exactly the same thing okay so when you've got a fruit tree in the ground and you've got these little volunteers coming up out of the soil around it what do we call those? Uh, same thing. Yeah. Okay. They're suckers. Uh, the difference is those are growing off of the root or the base of the trunk. Okay. And if you start chopping away at those too much, then you're damaging roots. If you're going to grow fruit trees, that's just something you deal with. Okay. You know, it, ju- it just is. Okay, so it's just one of those things you're going to have to manage. That's the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's take a commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk to you about 
I guess, how old a fruit tree should be before we really start pruning it. Okay, sounds good to me. At DNB Supply, we know that what's inside counts. That's why we dish out Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Grower Feed. Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed has an exclusive blend of nutrients to support a chick's immune system and overall health, even preventing coccidiosis. Raise healthy chicks with Neutrina's NatureWise Medicated Chick Starter Feed. Available now at your favorite D&B. Know when they say good fences make good neighbors? When you've got Bayland Country gates and panels to really fence your livestock in. Also, when you let your neighbor in on the great deals you can find on Bayland Country at DNB. Made from steel and designed for stamina, Bayland Country gates and panels are tested to match up to robust ranch life. So instead of mending all those fences, round up a whole new one with Bayland Country at DNB Supply. All right, Dan. Well, now that we're back, I, I wanted to ask you. So, if someone's going out this spring and and they're buying the, themselves a new fruit tree and they want to plant it and they want to start an orchard or just have a couple producers in their yard or whatever it may be, how old does that fruit tree need to be before they prune it for the first time? Oh, there's so many variables on that. If you don't have that knowledge, have somebody that does have the knowledge to come help you pick it out in the first place. Okay. Because that basic structure is going to be around for sixty years. And you want to pick one that's, that is uh, that really starts out with the right shape, and it makes it so much easier to keep it trimmed up over the years, you know. So it it has a lot to do with the tree you actually purchase. So when you need a, you need a trained eye to be looking at these different trees when you're when you're going out to purchase one to say that's a good one right there. That would be a good thing, absolutely. Okay, got absolutely. It. Uh, now here, but in answer the answer your your original question though. Uh, it's variable. You'll get one that may not have to touch it for four years. And there's probably, you know, there's ones you're going to buy that you'll want to do a little bit of nipping on the first year. So okay. It's not something you can say, okay, do it on such and such a date, you know? Well, how would you tell? How would you know if, uh, you had one that you should do some pruning on in the first year or one that you should wait a few years for? That's why I'm a certified arborist. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's a higher level of knowledge there. Uh, yeah, I want to say it's it's kind of an art form. I mean, some people can look at a tree and say, okay, five years from now, if we do this, it's going to do that, mm-hmm. you know, and there's some very, very good arborists in town, and there's some that are not quite as good, and so that's one thing I wanted to say was absolutely, if you are looking for a tree service, Make mm-hmm. sure it's a certified arborist. All right. Well, Dan, are we too late in the season already to be pruning our fruit trees? We are right on the cusp of being too late. It, it totally, completely driven by the weather. Okay. Uh, we had that uh, real warm January, mm-hmm. and now we're cold again. And if it stays cool, we will be in pretty good shape probably until the end of March. Okay. If it warms up and it gets nice and balmy, uh, and the buds start swelling up, getting ready to make leaves and stuff, then you are probably too late. So it's really going to be weather dependent. Exactly. And uh, so this is a good reminder for people, if they haven't gone out and done it yet, and you're hearing this, you need to get out and do it while you still can. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. The the best time is when it's 
freezing cold and they're completely dormant and asleep mm-hmm. and you can sneak up on them and <laughs> get them when they're not looking you know but yeah when you the, the springs uh, around here in idaho are so variable that uh, it's just kind of a okay better get her done kind of thing you okay. know now you mentioned kind of how to tell when it's too late to do it and i wanted to ask you if there's a cutoff in the season uh in which pruning will cause damage to the tree or will will negatively impact your production or whatever it may be but obviously that's weather dependent but can you tell us those things again to look for where you where you if you see your tree is doing this now and the weather's been warm that you might go well i missed my my window this year okay you can actually prune year round but there's two seasons where it's problematic for the tree obviously anytime you do it prune a tree you're damaging it okay okay you're wounding it uh springtime which is why i mentioned the bud swell they're getting ready to make leaves and the sap is just running like crazy and when you get to that stage you're at a point where you should do very minimal pruning okay okay the other time is in the fall uh, well, actually in summer when it's really, really, really hot because they're stressed anyway. Mm-hmm. And if you start cutting limbs off and doing stuff to them, then that just stresses them more. So you don't want to do it during really, really hot weather. And you don't want to do it, uh, when the spring, when they're shooting sap and making leaves. So that's your two, but you can still nibble on them. It's not like you can't do anything to them, but you don't want to do anything dramatic. You know? Okay. And then the rest of the year, when the weather's pretty mellow, then you can go ahead and pretty much do whatever you want. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I want to ask you uh, to explain to us all, when we go out there and we're actually looking at the tree and we're going to prune it, how do we get started? Sound good? Okay. D&B knows that life in the West is defined by hard work, innovation, and constant improvement. These values made the West what it is today, and these are the values that have made Wrangler the defining Western brand since 1947. Wrangler apparel is designed to feel good in the saddle, look sharp at the rodeo, and work hard on the ranch. That's why Wrangler fits with classic Western heritage like a boot in a stirrup. For clothing that's a good value and steeped in Western values, stock up on Wrangler at your favorite D&B Supply. When you think about pet food, what comes to mind isn't normally something deserving of your best friend. But at D&B, you'll find a line of pet food that's so real, you can serve it on a plate. Earthborn Holistic Pet Food. Earthborn Holistics cater to your pet's primal needs, blending a variety of nature's finest proteins with other whole food ingredients for a kibble they'll love to nibble and will keep them healthy and happy, too. Earthborn Holistic Dog and Cat Food, available at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Dan, well, let's talk about this. So somebody's standing there, they're in their backyard or a small field where they've planted their fruit trees and now it's time to prune them and they're looking at it. How should they start? Where should, where should they even begin? Well, you need to look at structure. I mean, obviously you're going to prune a shade tree much different than you will a fruit tree. Mm-hmm. But you have to look at the structure. Best time to do that, obviously, is in the winter when you can see the structure uh, real well. But all you have to imagine ahead of time. Look down the road one, two, five, ten years. Okay. Because uh, you'll see on a young tree a branch on the inside that is not doing anything wrong at that point. But if you look at it and say, okay, where's it going to be five years from now? Where's it going to be ten years from now? Well, if you look at it that way, you'll see that that branch is going to go right over the top of another one that 
you don't want to Mm -hmm. be rubbing on it stuff like that so if you look at it that way on the interior of a tree if you've got branches growing in towards the center then that's almost always a bad thing because they're going to be crossing over on each other and uh, rubbing on each other and stuff like that so you just have to have kind of a vision look at it and say okay where's it going to be 10 years from now and that's why i say it's kind of an art form i think you know uh, some people have it, some people don't, and, and uh, you just have to look at it and say, okay, where are we going to be 10 years from now? Now, I've read about when choosing what to cut, what to trim, to look for uh, 3Ds, dead, damaged, and, and diseased branches or shoots or things like that. How do you identify each of those? Well, dead is pretty obvious. <laughs> uh, I knew I had that coming when I asked Oh, that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, dead is, is pretty obvious. You can tap a limb because there are trees that you it's hard to tell when one's dead and one's not. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you will have a limb that is partially dead, but you know it's going to die at some point soon. But you can tap them. Okay. And your green wood will uh, not have as sharp uh, sound from it as okay. your dead wood will. Your dead wood will have kind of a crack to it when you uh, tap it. And your uh, green wood doesn't do that. It's got kind of a mellow thump sound. So you can tell a little bit difference. Now, what about what about something that's damaged or diseased? Is there a way to, to identify those, or is it the same method you're talking about right now? Well, pretty much, I guess. Sometimes you'll have green limbs that have been damaged, broken, uh, maybe in the windstorm or something like that. Mm-hmm. If they're broken to the point where they're not going to recover, even if they're green, there's no point you know, mm-hmm. leaving them on there. It's just, again, yeah, the, the new wood, I mean, your live wood on most trees is going to have a different color bark than your dead wood. Okay. Your dead wood will usually, the bark will turn more of a gray color. So your live wood is pretty easy to tell on most trees. Plus, if summertime, they're going to have leaves on them, obviously. And in the wintertime, they'll have live buds. Mm-hmm. And if you're really not sure, then take some of the small little teeny twigs on the end of the branch and try to break them between two fingers. Okay. And if they're snapping on you, then you've got a dead limb, you know. Okay. Now, uh, you mentioned the main branches uh, a moment ago coming up from the center of the tree. As as trees get older and you've got bigger, thicker branches and they're kind of branching out, how do you how do you continue to tell which are the main branches, which are the ones that you want to maintain or keep on the tree and where you want to cut or what's I guess what's uh, you know, what's available to cut? Well, pretty much that's established by the time they get to that point because you've already pruned them when they were babies Okay. for your basic structure, okay? And after that, it's all maintenance. The thing is, on a big tree, you want to have the crown thin enough that you don't have to have full sunlight on the ground underneath the tree all the time. But you do need model sunlight. It has to get some sun on the ground and through the tree at some given point during the day. Okay. You can't have your canopy get so thick that no shade gets down to the inside of the tree or no sunlight gets down to the inside of the tree. Mm -hmm. If you do, your canopy does get that thick, then you're going to have not any big branches, but you will have a lot of smaller branches on the underside of your canopy Mm -hmm. that will start dying. Okay. I mean, you're not getting any sunlight. Trees going, not getting any sunlight, not doing any photosynthesis. So what do I need them for? Sure. You know, it's part of nature. It's just the way it is. But if you keep that canopy thinned enough, 
doesn't have to be drastic, but enough that you get model sunlight through the tree during the day, then you've got it made. Okay. So the key is to have some, but not too much. Exactly. Now, yeah. why, why is too much a problem? Uh, too much what? Shade? Too, too much sunlight. Uh, you don't get too much sunlight. <laughs> okay. Uh, the big thing is shade. If you look, the interior gets, uh, the crown gets so thick uh, and heavy that it's not letting any light through. Okay. So just to kind of recap what we've talked about so far. So any anything vertical, anything that's going straight up, we're going to trim that off. We're going to cut that because that's not going to produce fruit for us. Always on fruit trees. Always on fruit trees. Yeah, okay. Always on fruit trees. And then in addition to that, we want to pay attention to the shape, any diseased or damaged branches and things like that that we're going to remove. Exactly. And then we want to we want to pay attention to the canopy and make sure that some sunlight is able to get through. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Very good. Now, I wanted to ask you this. Uh, when, when you're cutting off smaller pieces of the branches or, or any of these that we've identified, should you be cutting back all the way to where it connects to the branch it's coming off of? Or where should you be cutting? Well, again, that just depends. <laughs> <laughs> they call them laterals. You have your main branch, and the branches that come off of that main branch are laterals. Okay. And the whole basic thing of pruning is you never cut so much off of a branch that it can't sustain itself. You have to leave enough green on it, green leaves that are uh, doing photosynthesis and, and the whole process. You have to leave enough green on that to support whatever limb is left okay so that's another reason why topping is so bad okay because you take a, uh, a tree uh, especially a mature tree and you start cutting huge chunks of that canopy off then the stubs probably won't have enough green stuff on them to sustain that limb and if it does like I said before, it'll grow some suckers and they'll shoot up, but that's not the kind of branches you want. Okay. You know, you want, you want to uh, go up into the canopy and be very selective about which uh, branches you're taking off. Got it. So you can't just whack them off, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, let's take another commercial break. When we come back, I've got some terms I want to ask you about, all right? Your puppy needs the very best to grow up big and strong. That's why D&B stocks Science Diet puppy food for standard and large breed pups. Science Diet's got all the nutrition essential to keeping their little tails wagging and their teeth sharp while supporting their immune systems and controlling growth. And with the highest purity and quality standards, Science Diet gives you nothing but the good stuff. Choose Science Diet puppy blend for maximum puppy licks. Available at your favorite D&B supply. Know what boots work as hard as you do? Georgia Boots, available to try on for size at D&B Supply. If you're on your feet all day, Georgia Boots knows the feeling. That's why they've designed exclusive comfort systems that cushion and support down to the bottom of your soles. While on the surface, they shield you from tough conditions with one of the most durable leathers out there. See why they earn the nickname of America's Hardest Working Boots and pick up a pair of Georgia Boots at your favorite D&B Supply. All right, Dan, well, now that we're back, I want to ask you... uh, and this is something we kind of talked about off the air a little bit, but if somebody wants to buy a fruit tree or even a, a different tree, a shade tree, and they want to have it close to their house, uh, what type of tree should they be looking at? Well, it's kind of a sticky wicket uh, because they're mutually exclusive. You're not going to get a quick growing, strong tree. Your softwood trees, the ones that do grow fast, are more brittle. They don't live as long. 
and generally take more maintenance. Okay. The good trees that you want to plant and you have to wait for it, it takes a while. You could take a hardy northern red oak, for example, uh, and it will take about 20 years for it to be 40 feet tall. Okay. But it will live to be 200 years old. <laughs> okay. Now you plant a willow, it'll live to be 50. Okay. And the last 10 years of that 50 years, you're going to be picking up dead branches and doing a lot of maintenance on it. Mm-hmm. So it just depends on what you want. Okay. You know? But your hardwood trees will last much, much longer than your softwood trees. And they're more sturdy. You don't have to worry about limbs breaking off of them all the time. There's tons and tons of silverleaf maples in town. Uh, elm trees, that's a no-brainer. That's not a very good tree to have at all. But there's lots of uh, there's lots of cottonwoods, lots of poplars, lots of willows, and the silverleaf maples. I would kind of include in that. They're not a true hardwood; they're a semi-hardwood. But all of those trees are prone to short lifespan, except for the silverleaf. They live a long time, but they're all prone to not living a long time and losing branches and being a high maintenance tree. Got it. Okay. Well, just a little bonus content right there for the for the podcast listeners. Uh, a little extra on shade trees as well. Uh, it's hard to talk about just fruit trees when people are going to go out and they're probably going to buy trees for one purpose and another purpose at the same time. So gotcha. it's good to include both. Well, let's stick to fruit trees for a while, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I wanted to ask you, and this is a term I read about, but uh, when you're cutting branches or when you're picking out branches to cut, I've read about a term called the crotch angle and you should retain the branch with the best crotch angle. What in the world does that mean if somebody goes out and reads that? Well, ideally, if you have a tree, you're going to have one main central trunk and the perfect tree would have all the branches coming off of it at a 28 degree angle. Well, guess what? Doesn't happen. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a limb that is growing almost the same uh, angle as the main trunk, then it will usually, over time, at some point, is going to come off. It'll split on its own Mm -hmm. because it's going to have included bark, which is where the branches don't join properly right at the crotch. Uh, There's bark that grows down in between the two, and it's a real, real uh, poor connection, let's say. So if it comes off at a... A real, real steep angle. And especially if you could see a line in between the two limbs where you can see it's not connected, mm-hmm. then off it goes. Okay. Because it's not going to stay on anyway. Now, when it comes to space between the branches, is there a standard or a rule people should follow? Like, do branches that you leave on the tree need to be four inches apart or eight inches apart or something like that? You can't really say, you can't put a number on that. What you don't want, you're going to have little limbs, uh, little twigs that are going to be brushing each other. That's just the way it is, Mm -hmm. which is fine. But you don't want bigger limbs rubbing on each other. Okay. Because they will rub on each other, create sores. That opens up the wood to insects and disease. So if you've got big limbs that are crossing over each other and rubbing on each other, then that's that's part of the thinning process. You thin it out and say, okay, I'm going to get rid of this limb and I'll keep this one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the little the little limbs, the little branches, uh, you're always going to have some that are pushing on each other a little bit. Okay. And that's okay. But the big ones, no. Now, do you ever cut back limbs that you want to keep? Do you ever trim those back? Oh, yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So how do you decide you know, this is a limb I want to keep, but I'm going to I want to trim it back. Why would you do that? Depends on uh, on where it's planted mostly. Like at my place I've got a crab apple tree that's in between the house and my workshop. Mm-hmm. And I can't let it get big. It's just it was there when we bought the place and it's a beautiful tree, but I can't let it get big. And so I keep the branches reduced on that. And then you get back to where we were talking before, uh, pruning on a lateral. Mm-hmm. So you pick a nice lateral and move your branch back two, three, four, six feet, whatever you want. But just reducing, crown reduction they call that. But you have to do it right. You can't just whack them off. It's got to be cut on a lateral and, and done correctly, you know. Well, let's take another break. When we come back, I want to ask you about pruning techniques and how people should go about cutting rather than just doing like I would do and just taking a chainsaw to the whole thing. Greatness comes from the inside out, especially when it comes down to what you feed your animals. That's why D&B Supply carries Purina Mills. Purina Mills feeds greatness with balanced nutrition that makes a difference your stock can feel and you can see. It makes them healthy, strong, and greater than ever. Purina Mills serves up the good stuff for all shapes and sizes, from horse to cattle, goats to pigs, even for the birds. So for all creatures, great and small, pick up Purina Mills at your favorite D&B. This is Bill's yard, and Bill's a grill master, not a grass expert. Still, he won't let weeds invade his backyard barbecue kingdom. And with Scott's Turf Builder Weed and Feed, Bill can clear out weeds, green up his lawn, and hold his spatula high. Because Scott's Weed Grip Formula is twice as effective on dandelions as it used to be. This is a Scott's Yard. Pick up Scott's Weed and Feed today. All right, Dan, so let's talk about actual pruning technique. Let's talk about cutting branches. This is more than just cutting them off. There's some technique to this, yes? Oh, absolutely. From the smallest limb you're cutting off on a new tree that you've planted to the biggest limb you'll ever take off on a big tree doing a crown reduction, everything has a branch color. And if you look where a limb attaches to the tree, there'll be a ring of darker, rough-looking wood Mm -hmm. around that. And you always cut just outside of that branch color. Okay. You don't leave a stub. If you leave a stub, then it will decay back into the tree. If you cut it too short, it won't heal properly. If you cut it just outside of that branch collar, then it will grow new wood over the wound and cover it. Okay. So, but everything, I mean, geez, even little shrubs in your yard uh, that you want to prune back, uh, the same basic principle applies. Everything has a branch collar. Okay. And you cut just outside that branch collar. And now, do you want to cut at a 90-degree angle to the branch, or do you want to cut it at a different angle? 90. At a 90. Yep, you cut it at a 90, because that leaves, if you cut at an angle, that exposes more raw wood. Okay. And the 90-degree will give you the least amount of open, open sore. Okay. Now, how important is it to the health of the tree that your shears be sharpened when you do this? That's the question of whether you want to smush it in two or cut it in two okay. you know razor sharp tools the only way to go and it will save you a lot of uh, wear and tear on your arm too having sharp tools yeah it's definitely going to be easier on the user uh, but i just didn't know if there was an impact larger than the ease of use well dull tools and anvil pruners uh, there's two different kinds of pruners you can buy uh, the one set has blades that go past each other mm-hmm. the anvil pruner just has a square base and the blade cuts down on that base okay 
so it doesn't shear it in two. It just kind of crushes it in two. Mm-hmm. The sharper your tool is, the less crushing happens around the cut, and that leaves that tissue where you cut uh, a lot more able to heal itself. Now, I wanted to ask you about disease. If you are trimming a tree that's got some diseased areas in it, and then you move to the next tree down the line, can you spread that disease? Absolutely. You can. Absolutely. Uh, If you're working in in a situation like that, you want to have a bucket with Clorox water in it handy. Okay. You can sterilize your tools. And not after every cut, but between trees. Between trees, absolutely. And if you have just a few diseased limbs on a tree... It's a good idea to do it in between cuts, too. So disease in, in limbs, it's not uh, systemic. Like if it's on a limb here, it's throughout the whole tree already. You can actually spread it to a different part of the tree? You can, absolutely. Okay. Yep. So if, if it's just a few, then it's worth taking the time. Yes. Because you can spread that. Yes. Okay. Very good. Well, you, there's insect damage. Anybody can look at a tree and say, oh, that's insect damage because mm-hmm. there's holes in it. But uh, trees get bacteria and virus just like people do. And so, you know, it's just like you coughing in an elevator. Uh, you cut off a limb that has that disease and that uh, that trouble and don't clean your tool, and you can move it right to the next one when you make your cut. Well, it makes a lot of sense. That's something I would have never, ever thought of, yeah. uh, but that makes a ton of sense. Now, if you do have disease problems and you're trimming off disease branches and you're trying to, to get rid of that disease in that particular tree, do you have to be really careful to, to make sure that you pick up all of those disease branches that you've cut off? Or if they stay there and decay into the soil, can it spread it? Probably not if they stay there long enough to actually deteriorate and go back into the ground. But it's still a good idea to get rid of them because as long as they're green, there's still virus or bacteria or whatever on them. You know? okay. So yeah, as soon as you cut them off a diseased limb, then away she goes. Okay. Get rid of it. And is there a way... To, to obviously there is for a certified arborist but for the rest of us is there a way for us to look at a tree and go oh that that limb right there looks like it's got disease i need to get rid of it fruit trees are real problematic it's a real problem here in the valley because probably only one household out of five that has fruit trees in their yard actually utilize the fruit okay uh, because the way people buy and sell houses and they move here and they move there mm-hmm. uh, somebody that actually utilize that fruit sells the house and the people that move in don't want it they don't want to utilize the fruit so what happens is there's not enough people taking care of their trees and so fruit trees in this valley your stone fruit particularly have a real problem with borers and you can you can spray for those but it's a pretty tight regime you have to do it exactly right Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's it's uh, problematic, borers and in, in your fruit trees in, in the valley. Okay. So it is the type of thing where uh, that can spread and you want to be taking care of that and getting it done right. Uh, otherwise, it's something that uh, could continue to be a problem and could spread to even further. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. No, it's it's a given that uh, if you don't treat your trees here and, and like peaches, apricots, uh, ones that have cherries, your stone fruits. It's a given. If you don't do something, they're going to have borers in them. Now, are there other, and when you say borers, are we talking insects? Yes. I want to clarify that. So uh, around here, and, and of course, we're talking about the Treasure Valley, but we have listeners all the way from the Magic Valley down in Twin Falls, all the way up to Pendleton and Grand and Baker City in Oregon. 
are there common diseases around here that we should be on the lookout for and learn how to recognize when it comes to our fruit trees? If your canopy on a fruit tree is too thick, you'll get what they call uh, powdery mildew. And you'll know that because your leaves will have a white powdery coating on them, usually on the underside, and they'll start to curl. And that's another big reason to keep your canopy open and get the sun and some air going through it. Other than that, I mean, if you see a limb that's got leaves dying on it, I mean, there's something wrong. Okay. Or if you see a weepy spot, Mm -hmm. if there's some area on the tree that has moisture oozing from it, there's something haywire. Okay. You need to take a look at it, you know. So for our listeners who get past the ideal time to prune and they're too deep into the season, but then they've got a tree that's kind of running away from them in the summer, is it okay uh, at that point? Or can they actually slow that tree down by pruning it a little bit during that growing season? Yeah. And like I said before, you want to be careful. You know, it's not the ideal time to prune, so you can't really go crazy with it. But if you've got like a fruit tree that is getting out farther than you want it to, Mm-hmm. You can prune it back. Okay. That's no big deal. As long as you don't go and really go to town on the whole tree, you know. All right. Well, this has been great. I, I wish we had more time to go into everything because it's very interesting. And, uh, of course, people love to put trees on their property and, and see healthy trees and good shade trees, fruit trees, all of that. For people who need more information, where would you recommend they go? There is a outfit called the International Society of Arborists. Okay. Okay. They're the ones that certified the, me, and their website has oodles of information. Okay. And also, it's just isa.com will get you there. And the Boise uh, City Forestry will give you a lot of information, too. In fact, they have a pretty good-sized pamphlet that they will give you for free that gives you the best trees to plant in a given situation. For whatever reason, people keep planting trees that grow 60 feet tall under power lines. <laughs> okay. You know? And the uh, Boise City Forestry book will tell you uh, what kind of trees to plant that will stay uh, small, beautiful, without getting the tops hacked out of them. By, you know. And it's not the power line's fault. People misunderstand that. They are required by federal law to keep X amount of distance from X amount of voltage. That's just the way it is. So... Yeah, Boise City Forest is a good source. Okay, beautiful. And, of course, if somebody lives outside of Boise, they can still go on their website and look at all the information. Oh, absolutely. And it's, it's great information probably for somebody living in Glens Ferry or wherever it may oh, be. Absolutely. It's going to work there as well. You okay, bet. great. Well, Dan, thank you so much. Really appreciate all your time and expertise. Thank you for coming on today. No, you're more than welcome. It's kind of fun. I enjoyed that. <laughs> thank you all for joining us today. And here is to you and your pursuit of the country lifestyle however you define it. For the DNB Show, I'm Matt Breckwald.